Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability Educational Shorts. Are you the guy with the horse? That's a weird question, isn't it? I actually mean it. Are you the guy with the horse? Seems like a weird way to start one of my shorts this week, but it's a true question. There's something I've really noticed and I started thinking about. I promise it will make sense. Hang in there. Give me a minute. Over 100 years ago, combustion engines were not the norm. It was horses. Horses were everywhere. And there were some people out there who were not all excited. They liked their horses. They weren't exactly looking at change as a good thing. I know you're shocked. But a hundred years ago, excuses were made. They were helping try to prevent that change. They were trying to slow down the evolution of transportation. What I've noticed is things haven't changed a lot. In the late 1800s, cars burst onto the scene and they weren't exactly the norm. The infrastructure wasn't set up for it. People had been using horses as transportation and work equipment for hundreds of years prior. People were used to them. The infrastructure was designed for horses. There was troughs out front of stores and places to tie your horse up. There was people in the city who went around just cleaning up after horses. But cars looked like they were trying to replace this longtime leader in transportation. And people? People weren't having it. Well, not all the people. Some are early adopters. And they bought cars and used cars. It was those to re that were resistant to change that had a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons why. They weren't going to move to that silly horseless carriage. Some of those things were this, that horses are here to stay. Automobiles or the horseless carriage is one of those fads for rich people. You could mock them because, you know, they're over there buying these silly things when all they really needed was a horse. Horses are more dependable. They don't break down. They can go eat a little grass, drink a little water, and off you go again. They can go from city to city without issue. You don't have to worry if you're going to break down in the middle. Cars are unpredictable. The road's not designed for a car. They're designed for a horse. And when they did break down, people with horses would pass them by yelling, get a horse, mocking that person with the car. Cars are expensive to buy and to maintain or even repair, and it has no support network. Where are you going to get gas? There's no gas stations. There's no place for you to get the fuel you need. My horse, I just take a little rest, eats, drinks, and off we go. They even started creating laws to slow cars down. Cars were going too fast in comparison to horses. So lobby groups, I know you're surprised started forcing cars to slow down. 15 miles an hour was far too fast. They needed to stay under five or so they could drive at the same speed as a carriage or a horse. People talked about having cars would require all these signs to tell people what to do and when to do it. First of all, that is a violation of their rights. Second of all, it's gonna cost too much money. Why would we change? Newspapers even started talking about the dangers of cars when it came to pedestrians. You know, horses didn't hit a lot of people. Actually, they did. And cars didn't hit a lot of people either. But if it happened, it made the papers everywhere. So everybody started assuming that it happened way more than it did because look at the dangers of this car. Farmers even hated cars so much that they talked about in bulk all over the country that if cars did not give them the right of way, they would open fire on the driver because they didn't yield to them as pedestrians. 
Next thing you knew, paid studies started showing up. Did you know there was something called airplane face? That cars drove so fast that it would stretch the skin on your face backwards, and it would stay that way. Yeah, Google it. It's something they said. In the New York Times in 1910, there was a headline, The New Automobile and Airplane Disease. And that's what it talked about. It talked about stretching the skin on your face and you would never look the same. Automobile brain was another one that going super fast on bumpy streets was going to damage your brain and cause insanity. Yep, these are all real things. You can Google them because I did. So they went to this like scare tactic after a while. Now we're looking at 1910. So for at least 30 to 40 years, they really fought the concept of a car. It took between 50 and 70 years before cars became the dominant transportation on our roadways and that the infrastructure was built for it. And they started to remove the infrastructure for horses along with changing laws to keep the horse and carriage off the streets. Why do I tell you this story? Well, because these are the same arguments. Even today, a hundred years later, humanity. Yeah, we haven't evolved. It doesn't matter if we're talking about adding electricity to homes or electrifying our transportation. The arguments are all the same. We haven't changed a bit. There's still a big chunk of people who say electric cars cost too much. It's just cheaper to drive what I'm used to. Is it true? Mm, Maybe if you compare apples to apples, it probably is. But all technology starts somewhere and ends somewhere else. The only way it becomes cost-effective to where the internal combustion engine is at a price it is was because people bought them and people use them. You're going to hear no infrastructure. This is where that range anxiety comes out. 90% of the time you're going to hear, well, I can get gas anywhere. You you can't. You you have to find a place to get gas. Well, no different than the horse. The horse could go eat grass and that automobile owner had to find a place to get gas. It sounds weird, but it's true. The same arguments used for horses over automobiles are the same arguments we're using for internal combustion over EV. At one point, it used to, they used to talk about the performance. The performance of electric engines are just not there. They have terrible acceleration. Well, now they have instant torque, so they couldn't say that anymore. Then they moved to range and cold weather on the batteries. Now we're seeing electric cars with 400 miles per charge. Now, now they're telling you about towing capacities or going in mountains. They're selectively picking certain attributes to try to show a disadvantage while ignoring all of the other advantages. People complain about time, how much time it takes to charge. Well, I can fill my gas tank in just three minutes with gas. But all this is, is a change of culture. You no longer go get gas when you get a haircut you plug in. When you stop at the grocery store, you plug in. Places you're going to be, restaurants, plug in. Stopped at the bar, get a sandwich, then you just plug in. You're plugging in at places you're going to be there anyways. No more stopping at a gas station and just waiting to fill up and take off. That's no longer needed. You choose to fuel up in different environments. And of course, they're going to bark that there's, again, no infrastructure. Well, that's changing day after day after day. That argument will start to fall on deaf ears here soon, just like gas stations, when they said you couldn't get gas everywhere. Well, at some point, you can. You can speed charge. 
or you can charge at any of these other atmospheres where you're going to be there for a while. All kinds of different places. It makes it much easier. Then they'll default back and try to hit you in the heart where it started. Well, you're not actually getting rid of your emissions. This is not a zero emission machine, which by the way is true. Anything you produce isn't zero emissions. And we're not eliminating tailpipe emissions. We're just displacing them. Instead of spreading them all around, right now, they're over the, the coal plant or the natural gas plant. But that's a whole different problem. We solve that one differently. We should be fixing our plants. This is not an excuse to get you away from it. No different than it when they say it endangers the electrical grid. Everything endangers the electrical grid because it's fragile. We should be re redoing it, renewing it, recontrolling how we distribute power. And maybe when we all start plugging cars in and it starts stressing out the grid, maybe government will realize that should have been their first project, investing in a sm smart microgrids all across the country so it can balance that need. But it isn't a reason to stop growing. We don't just stop doing better things because we skipped a step or it might cause a little grief. Just so you know, the existing system caused a lot of grief, and that's why we're growing past it. Have you ever heard some of these excuses? Because I'm sure you have. And it really doesn't matter if we're talking about electrified cars, solar panels, wind turbines, or we look back in history at the whale oil industry advertising against electricity. It hasn't changed. It's really a group of rich people convincing a bunch of people who are scared of change to fight their battle for them. And that's all it is. But remember, it doesn't much matter. The horse fight never really stopped the car from replacing the horse. It might have slowed it down a little bit. But all their half-truths and blatant lies doesn't matter. It's not reality. And companies trying to make money are going to do it because it is the more profitable way to go in the future. They just have to get there, just like any other technology. Calling it expensive is really just calling it new. The more it becomes mainstream, the cheaper it becomes. And I know everybody barks about the batteries, but as of right now, lithium batteries are 100% recyclable or nearly 100% recyclable. As long as we're turning lithium back in, it can be reconditioned and reused. Can't say the same about our fuels that we run with now. And as scarcity starts to sneak up, again, we save the lithium. Once you have enough, then you have enough. In another 50 to 100 years, internal combustion engines will probably still be around, just not at the same level we're used to. Most of the time, those engines are going to be used for very special purposes. But for those of us living today, your life will not change. You'll be able to get an internal combustion engine probably for the rest of your life. So arguing that you hate electrified doesn't make a lot of sense because you don't actually have to buy one. You can just stay with the internal combustion. But I bet you at some point, one of your friends is going to show you an electrified vehicle that outperforms yours by fivefold. And at some point you'll give in. You'll find that one thing. Oh, it's really fast. Oh, it performs really well. Oh, the torque. Well, now that it pulls for long distances, I'm in. We'll all be in. It's just a matter of what excuse we have to give ourselves to approve it. EVs will take the day and will live in the day for the next hundred years until the next technology shows up that improves upon it so that all the people can fight and say all the reasons why they should all stick with their electrified and not move to the next one. And that circle starts again. It has done it several times, and I guarantee there's more to come. Remember what Gandhi said. 
First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. All of these things are in those comments made before. Ignoring, laughing, fighting, it won't matter. At the end, progress happens and we all move forward. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or on social media. If you want to support realistic sustainability, hey, leave us a comment, click a like, click a follow. You can even leave me a five-star review because, again, everybody knows I like them, and I sit here and beg for them. So for those of you who do that, thank you. And last, if you really think realistic sustainability offers some value and you'd like to see us stick around for the long term, well, jump on to greenyourlife.org forward slash podcast. There's a spot in there where you can actually donate a buck a month. It's not even a full buck. It's like 99 cents. So for less than going to a fast food restaurant for the day, you can support us for a whole year. And we do greatly appreciate it. And remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.